parts of our lives inside Either in traffic at work or close eyes How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Work Wherever podcast. We are in... We're in a new studio! So if you can see me, if you can see me on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you guys are listening, um, you'll notice that I'm I'm in a studio. So that's that's exciting. So I, uh, I have a full-built studio now. It's in my house, so you're probably still going to hear my children, dogs, or, uh, or anybody else making noise because I'm still in my house because I work from home. <laughs> so uh, I don't really have it. It's, uh, I don't have total privacy here, but I do have a studio, and we're very excited about it. Shout out to uh, my team and everybody who made this happen. Sydney, thank you so much for, for, for getting this, and to my wife and, and kids for giving me a space where I can um, work wherever. Uh, I do have a guest here today. If you guys are watching me, you can see this is Charlie, my cat. He has made this studio his hangout over the last couple months that he has been uh that we've been building this thing together so he has made it his home so i figured why not allow him to just kick it here with me for our first podcast while he uh while he sits here so so guys today we're going to talk about the future of working wherever and what it means for potential cities, what it means for the way that we build houses, what it means for the way that we build communities but also we're going to look at it from a sense of has this been a trend like is this is this bubble going to burst or is this something that is potentially going to accelerate even more so than it already has there is the resistance to to go full remote there are the old school train of thought people who believe that you should roll up your sleeves and get back to the office and put in a nine or ten hour day at the office and that's the way that you have to work and that's the only way that you can be productive there are some dangerous thought leaders in that industry that are pushing that narrative and i would lean on the fact that the people who are pushing that narrative from a uh, thought leader perspective are doing it for either one reason would be that they're a, p a politician and they want and think that the economy can only go about it in a certain way uh, of running so they need their cities they need their people in the streets they need people in the office buildings because entire economical structures are built around people being in office spaces which is not a bad argument the second person who's saying that that you cannot be productive from home are the managers who have spent their entire lives doing something a very specific way and they have risen up the ranks and they have gotten to a place in their career where they only know how to do business one way and it's their way and you're going to do it my way or or get out and they're reluctant to change even though it's quite possible that change and innovation got to them to where they are they were just in innovating against somebody else's thoughts and ideas and now their thoughts and ideas they want to keep 
they don't want to move away from their own ideals and where they've been and they want to maintain that place going forward some of these people are using the return of the office right now as a potential for a layoff so be careful of those trends we saw that with tesla and elon musk where elon said that everybody has to return back to the office and you can pretend to work somewhere else that was the that was the quote that he posted out or the tweet or whatever it was and then i think it was like seven ten days later he laid off 10 percent of tesla employees so you could look at that to say he was already going to lay people off and he wanted to see how many people he had to lay off by making sure that he brought everyone back or made the claim that he wanted everybody back so that they would resign, go elsewhere, put in their two weeks, whatever, and then he would not have to lay off a, a much larger number to tip off any shareholders or anything like that to make it seem like they're hurting right now. So those are kind of the different areas. Now, it, could it be... A trend where we see different organizations that are going to start mandata mandating people to come back to the office and then laying people off? I think so. I think that is going to be a trend going forward. I think Elon, he set that trend, and I think that you're going to see it. It's going to be part of like the, the, the blue book, so to speak, or the blueprint going forward for big organizations who say we're going to lay people off, mostly probably around the manufacturing industries. Because Tesla, Tesla is a tech company at its core. At least that's what Elon has always said. So most tech organizations are not going to be telling their people to come back. And if there are a tech organization out there that says for the people to come back, like Microsoft or AWS or or Amazon or uh, you know, name a tech Google, any of those organizations. If they start bringing their people back, then look out for layoffs. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. So, But let's talk about the initial two. Let's talk about the politicians uh, and thought leaders as to trying to protect their cities and their businesses. Let's talk about, let's talk about that. Uh, and then let's talk about the, the old school train of thought, the people who are afraid of, of technology. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So the first group... The politicians and that that's that's where we'll start and so the way that our current economy is built is it's built around this idea that cities are the epicenter of business that new york you know formerly san francisco la seattle chicago you know if you wanted a good job you had to move to these big cities, Dallas, Washington, D.C. And if you didn't move to these cities, then you risked not making it out of your town, right? Or you missed not earning enough money to, to make a, a good living. And, and it forced people from rural areas to migrate out. Maybe people who really enjoyed living in rural America or small town USA, or on a farm, or different areas within um, the United States that weren't a major city, right? They, there wasn't a suburbia, or it wasn't a, a more urban area. So it forced them to move to New York. I can't tell you how many friends that I have that moved to New York. I would never do it. I 
am pretty anti New York. Uh, I never had to do it for my career. I never had uh, to move to a specific city. I have had to commute into. I'm in the D.C. area. I'm in the the suburbs of of D.C. I'm about. I was about nine miles south, and I have since moved further and further and further away. But I did have to use to tra- take the train into the city or commute or in and around Washington D.C. in the beginning of my career. And that, that was just the thought process. That was I had to put in my dues. I had to do that in order to move up the chain of ladder, to, to learn the things that I know now. And a lot of the work that I did was in and for the federal government, so a lot of that information um, had to be kept in a secret environment or a secure uh, classified environment where I couldn't necessarily work from home all the time. But since 2019... And notice I said 2019 and not 2020, because since 2019, the numbers have drastically uh, increased in terms of remote workers. 2019 was actually a peak time that a lot of studies went out predicting future of work was a remote. That There were multiple t- 2019 studies that went out. Forbes, uh, U.S. Employee Workforce, uh, Global Workforce analytics, Citrix, a lot of them published 2019 polls and reports. Microsoft released one in 2018 stating that that this was going to be the trends and this was going to be the future. So before the pandemic even happened, a lot of organizations and a lot of polls were already starting to make these moves. And we saw this with a lot of cities post Silicon Valley. So Silicon Valley was kind of the early... 2010s, where people were flooding to San Francisco, uh, flooding to California to be in and around Silicon Valley so that they could build up their technology. This led to what some people would call Silicon Hill, which here in Washington, D.C., a lot of people who were pre, uh, pre-Silicon Valley, a lot of people who came up in that boom, then moved to Washington, D.C. and became contractors to the government so the government could pick their brains to accelerate the, the modern war for it fair technologies that that all happened basically between 2009 ish 2015 was that's kind of the boom area and then that started to de-escalate as more and more people started having the capabilities to work wherever they wanted and took advantage of that and that's what led to all these 2018 2019 type polls so since 2009, so between 2009 and 2019, there was a rise of 159% of total uh, uh, total work wherever, work, uh, work from home, remote work employees. There was a 159% increase. There was a total of 62% of employees aged 22 to 65 saying at least they occasionally worked remote. So there was already those trends. This already started to affect cities. You already saw Silicon Valley start to disperse. You already saw saw New York start to disperse. Pre-COVID, New York was already starting to kind of uh, lose a little bit of steam. But not seeing the innovation of the people who were working wherever, these cities still building up and building out to to become the epicenter for business. At least that's how they pride themselves. That's how they beat their chest. That's when the crash of 2020 really, really affected these cities, and I believe that a lot of these cities won't come back. 
So before I get any deeper into my thought processes around the economy and the way that work wherever and, and work from home employees are going to change the economy and how the economic landscape and how we view cities and epicenters and stuff like that, before we get into that, I'm going to address the other side of the table. The other side of the table are the managers who have lived their entire lives a specific way, disrupting whatever the old processes were, climbing up the ladder, becoming in charge, building an entire career around doing it their way in a very specific way, and, and now they're faced with the potential to innovate or you know, lose, potentially lose control of what is happening. So they're grasping for what they know and grasping for what they understand. But these managers are at danger for losing a lot more than they'll, they'll gain by sending their people back. One, they'll, they, they lose the potential to uh, lose their top performers. It's no secret a lot of the top performers are, are bouncing around, moving from different businesses right now. They're jumping around, whereas there's always been kind of a move for top performers. But now we're, we're, we're seeing it so much that – which I talked about it on one of my episodes with Katrina um, – where you're calling it the great uh, recession or uh, what is it? Regression. What is it? Resign. Great resign. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> but we're seeing uh, the great realignment, I believe, is what Katrina called it. Hopefully we don't go back to a great recession. That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty bad. But we're seeing this great resignation. There's the word. Or the great re realignment or the great resigning. Whatever you want to call it. It's been called multiple things except the Great Recession, <laughs> whatever you call it, it is, um, it's more and more of your top performers leaving. But now it's not only so much as only your top performers. Now it's, now it's maybe those mid-level performers as well. Maybe, maybe now we're seeing an increase across the board, low, middle, and high performers jumping around simply for the fact that they want to work from home, that they don't want to go back to the office. That's part of it. Uh, a new sense of purpose, belonging, dedication to self is also part of this as well. Over the last two years, we've had a lot of time with our own thoughts and a lot of time thinking as to what's most important to us. And a lot of us are now realizing that whatever we're doing, whether it's the career, the business, the position, coworkers, doesn't align with our personal beliefs doesn't align with our core values doesn't align with who it is that we believe we are or what our purpose is and so business leaders who send everybody back immediately risk disrupting that flow within their own employees now unless you ask them right poll your employees we had katrina come on and, and talk about that that was uh, episode one of the work wherever podcast if you want to go back and listen to what she had to say about that so make sure that you're talking to your employees. So that's the first thing that you you risk as a manager who isn't innovative. The second is financial risk. So you spent a lot of money probably over the last two years on new technology, new things, new subscriptions, new hardware, new ways of doing business. And if you go back to the old way and you just pretend that it's 2019, you're essentially throwing a lot of that technology out the door. That's one way that you're going to be potentially losing a lot of money because a lot of those subscriptions aren't as easy as cancel this month a lot of the hardware a lot of the 
the software, a lot of the licensing keys, a lot of the processes, a lot of the things that you've spent a lot of money on over the last couple of years are not as simple as, okay, I'm done, uh, I'll turn it off at the end of the month and then you know we won't have to pay for it again. It's not always that simple. Sometimes it is. You can cancel certain s software subscriptions. That's the whole model of software as a service. You pay a monthly subscription, turn it off at any time. But what about the processes, the way that you've done business, the consultants you've paid over the last couple of years, the ways that you've reorganized your business in order to innovate and make it through the last two years? That cost money too. That was a lot of sweat equity and real financial numbers that you placed within your business to uplift it to a position where you could work remote. So are you able to go away with that and do away with that and say that you're okay with losing or calling that just a stopgap over the last couple of years? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Other financial risk that you take is your overhead because a 50% remote worker saves a company on average $11,000 a year annually. That's a, that's a half-time remote employee. Saves $11,000 for the company per employee. So that is your kitchen at work. That is your travel reimbursements. That is a whole lot of things. Electricity, uh, desk seating. Um, tools that they need to do their uh, job here at the office, um, uh, office supplies, uh, monitors, computer repairs. There are a whole number of financials that go into that, $11,000 per year per employee for half. So in theory, that number would double to $22,000 for a full-time remote employee. That's how math generally works. The study was only done for a half-time remote employee, so we'll stick with the $11,000 number. So you potentially lose $11,000 per employee that, it, that you bring back full-time to the office. So that is a lot to gamble. So you have the top performers that you could lose. That would hurt production. You have the financial impact losing $11,000 per half-time employee. So you have those two very huge ways that it could hurt your business. And the third way that it could hurt your business is lack of innovation because you're essentially trying to turn back the time back to 2019. So that is always a dangerous thing. You should be thinking of the next five years, not how you can get your business back to how it was in 2019. 2019 is gone. 2020 is gone. 2021 is gone. Guess what? 2022 is about to be gone soon. So you should be thinking about 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, right? Those are the next five years. Maybe even thinking 2028 as to where you're going to position yourselves for that year. That's how you should look at technology innovation, your trends, your competitors, the way that you want to stay ahead. And if they're all trending remote, then you risk even a greater impact of the three points that I forementioned. Losing top performers, so those who are thinking ahead, the financial loss of trying to build around a trend that is not headed in the direction that you want it to go right uh, and then obviously not thinking ahead means that you will fall behind your competition which means you're probably going to end up falling behind in terms of your numbers and goals so those are three huge uh, impacts from the managerial 
perspective. I will add one more statistics to this, a couple more statistic lines to this. Uh, 62% of employees say that they could work remote. That means it's already in the majority of your employees' heads, that they're saying, hey, man, I already could do this, so why can't I, right? So that is uh, something that you should keep in mind as you move forward. So let's let's revert back to the economic input, and let's put our, our uh, tinfoil hats on here for a second maybe, and let's talk about a world that is post-office spaces. Let's say that, and I know some of these are kind of high-thinking, future-thinking types of ideas, and it's really maybe not a realistic thing in the next year or so, but, you know, play with me for a second. If cities are no longer the epicenter, and Wi-Fi and high-speed internet is readily available to all persons in the United States, because those are the key factors here, the only way you can really work wherever is with high-speed internet. And so that doesn't always come in the fashion of a hotspot because hotspots are not always reliable uh, everywhere, which we're about to test a couple hotspots on our YouTube channel. So if you want to check those out, we are going to do a couple different tests using three different Wi-Fi methods. But anyways, so that, that's the assumptions we're playing with. That cities are losing their people and have no longer become the epicenter for business. And everywhere, at least the majority of places in the United States, have high-speed internet available to them. If that is the case, then the amount of production somebody can do from anywhere in the world drastically increases. And people will no longer leave their rural areas, their uh, suburban areas become even more, maybe not suburban, maybe they're like sub-rural, <laughs> right? I don't know if sub-rural is a thing, but they're closer to the rural side than they are to the city side because being close to a city doesn't necessarily matter anymore. So now what we will start to see is a new type of economy form where cities, communities, uh, developments, the way that we build our houses all completely change. Now, instead of the center of a community being a metro station or a bus stop or something along those lines, now it becomes an internet cafe or some sort of a high-speed internet type of uh, office space, uh, maybe like a... Uh, a um, a remote office space or a co-working environment. These become more of the type of developments that are built around suburban areas and developments. And then we have the houses themselves. A lot of the people who are looking for houses now have changed their buying and their thought process as to say, well, yeah, we need, you know, if it's a, a if you have one kid or two kids, let's say you have two kids. It's you, you and your husband or wife, you have two children, and so maybe before you were looking for a three-bedroom place. People now are looking for four bedrooms because they want that built-in work-from-home environment. So think about the future of developments, homes, cities, suburban areas, rural development areas where you have more and more of these type pod work-from-home 
office dedicated office space developments these are the types of the futures that we're gonna we're gonna start to see as members start to flood out of of cities now a lot of this will take time but probably not as much time as you think so as you look to the future look at those trends are developments starting to build out in a way that the center is around high-speed internet productivity co-working spaces uh, internet cafes or are these developments still focused on public transportation because the public transportation thought process is we need to get you into the city the co-working spaces the high-speed internet developments those are you can stay where you are and be productive two very different trains of thoughts look for those trends in your in your areas so this will play very difficult for some of the major cities in in the united states we're already starting to see san francisco have a really hard time we're starting to see new york have a really really hard time and they're running these ads around you know uh, stay come visit do this do that to try and get people back to the cities i just don't see it happening i don't think that people are going to flood back to the cities i wouldn't i wouldn't pay two thousand dollars to live in a four or five hundred square foot apartment in new york i never will i uh, never would really i never was a big fan of cities to begin with i think you're going to see more acreage and now you're talking about a thought process of americans where people are starting to see the uh acreage shortage <laughs> where there are these thought processes long term of course that you know there isn't enough land to go around so you could see a trend of people buying up more and more acreage and buying as much land as they possibly can and then moving further and further away you see this a little bit over a couple years of the last couple of years i believe it was 2018 or 19 west virginia offered to pay washington dc residents twelve thousand dollars to come live in west virginia it was only for dc commuters so if you were commuting to dc or had a main office place in washington dc they would pay you twelve thousand dollars a year to live there so certain states and certain areas are already playing to this come by acreage be a remote worker you're going to start to see more and more of it so guys i hope you enjoyed this show we talked about a whole lot remember don't be afraid of this work wherever trend it it might be a little uh difficult for you as an organization it might be a little difficult if you have your economics and your uh, income built around office spaces that used to be booming back in 2018-19 but i would challenge you to innovate and look for new ways new revenue streams and understand these trends these uh city plannings these economic trends uh these business trends look into them look five years ahead that's going to be your savior here that's what's going to going to propel your your business to the next level and if you're a remote worker don't give back your power right now you have the power as a remote employee you can tell somebody no i'm not coming back to the office i did it back in like 2015 i was like i'm not coming back like okay well but this person no i'm not coming back okay i understand it they can't necessarily fire you for if now if you can't do your job and you're not producing from home, don't, I don't recommend you telling your boss that you're not going to come back. 
or a client, you're not going to come back. But if you're producing and there's no leverage to say that you have to come back other than a button to seat, don't give up that leverage because this is a time right now where the employees hold a lot of the power and you guys have the opportunity to uh, flex that as a uh, as a benefit, as a perk. Write it into contracts. Ask for it. Whereas the negotiation prior to 2020 was how many days off am I going to get? I would write into your clause how many days do I have to go into the office? Not how many days am I going to work from home? How many days am I going to have to go into the office? That is what needs to be uh, the new discussion. So guys, uh, thanks for hanging out. Uh, this has been my first episode of the Work Wherever podcast in the new studio. And I thought it was a... Uh, I thought it was fun. I like the studio. This is kind of a comfy chair. So Charlie must have enjoyed it, uh, or he didn't because he looks like he fell asleep. But guys, thanks for hanging out. And until next time, guys, see you. How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives? I can